Alrighty, guys. Welcome back to Adventure Fit Radio. This week, we have a very dear friend of the show's back on. This is a first, the first time we've done number two, isn't it, Bill? Yeah, this is the first first two-time guest. I was, Fuck yeah. I was stoked. Yeah, uh, we had Michael Inglis back on the show. So, good old mate Michael Inglis, uh, Mickey D's. No, that doesn't make any sense. Mickey Inglis. <laughs> he's uh, he's a, uh, a psychologist, a sports psychologist as his primary role, and then a... Uh, a mental health expert and psychologist um, as his secondary role. He works with AFL clubs. I'm pretty sure he's with the Kangaroos at the moment. Yeah, he works with the Kangaroos. With the Kangaroos, yeah. And um, he was on the show, I think he was our third, or no, second, yeah. or second show. Dan, I believe, was second. Dan, I believe, was second, yeah. Our, um, yeah, an absolute ripping lad. And um, yeah, we, we sat down with him. We wanted to catch up with him, see what he's doing. Lots of cool stuff. He's still working highly in the uh, the mental health, the mindfulness realm, and um, it's a really good show. I really enjoyed it. What do you think, Bill? Yeah, I had a great time. He's a fantastic guy. This yeah. time we uh, we talked a little more about um, mental health in terms of just the general populace rather than yep. sports psychology, um, which I really wanted to wanted to uh, hear about. So mm. I think it was really good. Couple yep. of gags in there, a few gags. <laughs> One particular gag, which you guys will find out, that ne- nearly had to stop the show. <laughs> nearly stopped. <laughs> it was pretty. It was pretty good. Alrighty. Um. So the show uh, today, guys, is brought to you by uh, True Pride. So True Pride are a wealth creation service who work with ambitious individuals and families looking to take control, worry less, and get ahead. If you're looking for a way to control your money, True Pride is a wealth coaching business that will provide you with all the tools. For you to fast track this, head to www.truepride.com.au forward slash ADVF to waive the joining fee of $297 if you, uh, if you book through there. So what True Pride are, guys, they're, uh, they're working with me and Tommy in uh, fixing our budget. So yep. at the moment, our bougie. We, uh, we, we, we're working with, uh, with Craig from True Pride and he's itemizing all of our budget, goes through your bank feeds and all your, uh, all your, all your expenses and then he's average on this program that we're on, which costs uh, $97 a month, his average is $150 per week saving in your budget with no mm. change in your lifestyle. So it's a $600 a month uh, benefit for the cost of $97. So we're trying it out. So far, we've just uh, itemized everything, looking at a few small wins and stuff at the moment. Yep. And it's going really well. We haven't got too far into it, but that's the idea. Average, uh, average $150 a week. So that's what we're trying to do with True Pride. Absolutely. Yeah, no, it's really good. It just, um, as Bill's saying, it uses the software um, CashFit, which um, it just, you can just, you, it just gives you a, a very clear visual of where your money goes and it, um, it's always up to date. And it's, it's really, I know for me, like financially, I'm a bit stressed um, at the moment, but um, it's just, I don't know, for you, is it you the same? It's just sort of really helping out. Yeah, it's just good to be able to look at how much money you've got and how much you can allocate to each place, like phone, That's it. work, and then uh, savings and stuff. Expenses, so food. And, it's really yeah. good, guys. So www.truepride.com.au forward slash ADVF to, uh, to join for free. Mm-hmm. Um, Excellent. We're also brought to you by Carve. Carve is a company that specializes in anything from anything digital, from building apps, designing logos, automating your business, down to starting your next event. Carve is a partner to be when you want to have more time to focus on the things that you love and to scale your business. So Carve, guys, Carve are where I get my assistance from in the Philippines. So Mon and Alvin are our assistants. Alvin works on Adventure Radio predominantly, and then Mon works as uh, Adventure Adventure Travel. He's my number one guy. Pretty much, I don't know where I'd be without Mon because he's um, he's literally the the uh, the biggest influence in uh, in Adventure Travel besides myself. Pretty much, um, he's been great. So I pay these guys good money in Filipino money. 
And obviously, it's very cost-effective in Australian dollar or US dollar. So I think it's like, uh, yeah, it's um, I think seven dollars or six or seven dollars an hour. Uh, these guys get looked mm. after over in the Philippines, and then uh, it's very cost-effective for for people that like myself earn an Aussie dollar. So if you want to get your life back, uh, or you want to extrapolate what you can do in your business, then um, you can try that with Carve. Couldn't come more highly recommended. www www.carve.ph forward slash ADVF and you'll get 10 free hours on any project you want to take up. Absolutely. Yep. AdventureFit Travel as always guys www.adventurefit travel. Check out our Mexico trip we've just released. We've got uh, Jared Fleming American champion weightlifter. Uh, we're diving in cenotes checking out new uh, seven wonders of the world Chichen Itza the, the ruins at Tulum stand up paddle boarding um, training every day it's going to be great. And anyway, that's it though. So here's the show. Boom. Now, before we do this, let's go over the ground rules. Rule number one. No touching of the hair or face. And that's it. Yo. Discovery Roger, go for deploy. Where do we come from? Some kind never even considered for mass production. Too weird to live, too rare to die. Alrighty, guys, uh, welcome back to Adventure Fit Radio. No tribute for you today because no we trib- have no tribute because we have our first ever um, two-time guest, Michael Inglis. Welcome back to the show. Thanks, Phil. How are you going? Good. I'm well. I'm well. Why don't you uh, give us an update the last six months, the mind room, your practice, and uh, what have you been up to the last since we caught up? Um, well, plenty, because there's obviously, um, I probably caught you, I imagine, in the pre-season of AFL or so on. Yes, so yes. So, we're in finals mode, and uh, I'm around for one another week. Very um, good. <laughs> um, mind room, lots of happening. We're doing, um, trying to do as many workshops and classes as possible. Um, got a couple coming up in the sports performance area. Um, one in October, just all performance mental skills. Like it's basically mm-hmm. a come and try it day. So mm-hmm. we're doing six performance mental skills over the course of a day. And you can just pick and choose, mix and match, mix, mix, mix and match which ones you come want to come to. Yep. And then in November, I'm doing like a bit of a half-day workshop called The Mindful Athlete. So right. the different ways mindfulness can be used or applied in mm-hmm. athletes. So that'll be the last two kind of um, two workshops days that I'll do for the rest of the year. Um and then we'll kind of reboot for 2017. Cool. We're going to get straight into it. with your Because you do a lot of stuff with, with athletes as well. Have you seen some, some clear results as in how mindfulness can help an athlete? It's hard to sort of quantify, I guess, because you can know, you know, how would they have been here without mindfulness or with mindfulness? But have you seen a real change in how mindfulness helps some of your athletes on the field specifically? Yep. There'd be certain, there'd be certain parameters I, I, could, I could probably tell or they could actually inform me about uh, you know, there is some kind of particular tests you can do around particular around attention and awareness and uh, so on. Yeah. But, you know, subjectively, you could ask them, if, you know, a few questions. Um, how often they stay in the moment? Mm. So how often do they become uh, distracted by what may happen in the future versus or what they or reflecting in the past um, versus how they are in the present? Mm-hmm. Um, how outcome focused they are versus process focused is another good question. I think, 
he will give you the answer of how mindful they're being. Mm. Um, how often they're actually performing to their best. So yeah, that's what, what I was going to say. What's Statistically. that? Statistically. Statistically as well. Yeah. You'd be able to gauge it, gauge yeah, yeah, it like how their, their actual performance. Yeah, that's exactly right. Mm. So okay. they're their best. They're the most, their biggest critic. So mm. they'll let you know if they don't think they're performing that well. But how close they are performing to um, their full potential um, is a good representation of how mindful they're being. Um, and depending on the sport and so on, but in a game like Aussie Rules where it's 120 minutes, how long they're in the present moment for and able to maintain attention um, is a bit of a factor as well. So when you say maintain attention, how would an athlete lose their attention? They will just drop out of... Uh, uh, for Australian rules or for our li- listeners that are like other sports, uh, gridiron, soccer, it's all mm. kind of the same. The open sports that are continuous. Yeah, the open continuous yeah. sports. So... What do you mean? What do you actually mean by uh, obviously dropping attention? Uh, we know what that means, but in terms of the the, the run of play, mm. how do you drop in and out of focus like that? Yeah, it's surprising because if we were there we, as a supporter or whatever, or an observer, we watch it and it looks like there's you know people running around and involved the whole time. Mm. But you know their mind at times is the, the way I can explain it is when they're task focused. Um, that's when they're actually on on task of what they need to do. But it's a lot of time they're self-focused. So they're self-evaluating or self-critiquing. Mm-hmm. You know, how did I just do them? What am I about to do now? Uh, am I, I doing exactly the right thing? So we're talking about 0. 0.3, 0. 0.4, 0. 0.5 second delays. Yep. But depending on the sport, what, how far can someone leave if your opposition leave you in 0. 0.3 gotcha. second? Mm, gotcha. One and a half meters, you know, yeah. so. That makes perfect sense now. Yeah. Mm. That's how I was when I was in, when I was a when junior, footy. Junior, junior footy player, I had, um, a uh, little bit of talent so I went through the, the interleague so like the league's representative and then mm-hmm. like Stingrays or the early TSE stuff yep. and then that was the, the combination of leagues and leagues put together obviously the next level yep. and I always performed well didn't think overthink things like you say come out of the moment at all locally when I would go into interleague I was always the captain or like one of the better players like, so I was good and I'd play well and I felt confident, uh, confident and comfortable and then when I went to Stingrays because of just the bigger fish in the pond, I just didn't feel confident at all. Mm-hmm. And it was those were the thoughts. It was like anxiety of sport. Mm-hmm. Like I, I never actually, when you, that makes perfect sense because I think, and I performed terribly at Stingrays. Like mm-hmm. it was a whole other level above. There mm-hmm. were so much better players I was playing against and with. Yep. But I think out of my reaching my potential at local level, I was probably like 80%. Mm-hmm. At interleague level, I was probably like 75%. Mm-hmm. And at Stingrays level, I was probably like. 40% of yeah. my potential because of what was going on in my head. So that makes perfect sense. Mm. So how do you train that then? Yeah, well, I mean, that's how it kind of been mindfulness as well is, is, a, is the fact that you can keep on because um, really what's going on is am I, do I belong to be here? Am I going to be good enough against these guys? Gee, he's really good. Mm. Oh, he's better than me. How am I going to compete, et cetera, et cetera. When you're going through that dialogue, all you're doing is being completely absorbed yeah. by what's going inside your own head. And so you probably don't even notice it, but the, the game's still going. You've stopped for five seconds considering mm. this. 100%. Yeah. And so the whole, you've missed a chance. You missed an opportunity yeah. to be involved in the next contest. So um, really learning to have those, it, it's not the thoughts of the issue, but it's how the impact of those thoughts. Yeah. So how yeah. those wash off. Yes. So people who are effective in mindfulness are allowed to have those thoughts, but doesn't really impact on them. They have it and they just almost like wash off. Yeah. But they're still involved on task at hand. You know, the, the, the biggest thing that I've found with mindfulness now, because I started it with you and um, that was a good couple of years ago now, but... um biggest thing that I've found that is it's it um, carries over into every aspect of life like 
you know, I'll, I'll sit at home and I'll meditate and then I'll, I'll try to stay really present by breathing and jumping into a cold shower or things like that. And I'll find that I'm not thinking about as many things when I'm doing CrossFit, when I'm kicking the footy, when I'm public speaking, when I'm like every single thing. Yep. So are there specific things you would do with athletes as opposed to what you would do with the everyday person that comes in with anxiety disorders? Yeah, that's right. So, you know, dep- again, depending on the sport, um, you've got to be able to find opportunities where they can actually apply it. So it's what we mm. call there's the formal practice, which is more that meditation kind of component versus the informal practice. So what can they do whilst they're still running around playing? Because mm. mm. you can't be cross-legged yeah. sitting in a peaceful <laughs> environment at that moment to <laughs> meditate, can you? I've done it. <laughs> just bring your own pillow. So you've just got to, you've got to cue into a few things. So I get a lot of time I'm really sensory, you know, something, you know, it's worth touching the grass or something like that. Um, sometimes it's been the, what we call anchoring with the breath. So just that one breath and engaging what that feels like as a bit of a reset button for them to go right. and go again. Okay. Okay. But it depends on sport to sport. So this is, and this is the, the challenge we have now in AFL in terms of, you know, previously in our juniors, whatever position you played, you would have had rest. So yeah. you would have played a position and wherever that ball is called in the thirds, mm-hmm. back, mid, forward, mm-hmm. you know, you would have a little rest. So you might have been involved for a third of the time, probably midfield a bit more. You're involved a third of the time as such, but you had little mind, like little um, mental yeah, the, rest. Little zones and rest. Yeah, that's right, yeah. AFL now, or you would have found a Dan on, you're expected to defend. Yeah. Yep. You don't have the ball, you're expected to be in a particular position. Rolling, rolling, uh, rolling zones so and all that stuff. They're, they're involved the whole time. There, there is no time to yep. switch off yep. yeah. apart from the breaks. So when they're on the ground, there's no time. So is that why you say you try and get that one breath that you anchor yourself off? So how does that... See, that's another thing. Like, I've obviously, I meditate, try and meditate daily now. And some days I feel like I get a real mind-clearing response from it. And some days, you know, you just don't really get the same from, the, from, from doing it. Hmm. My, my mom's always been really big into meditation. She's always said... Really? Yeah, yeah. She's oh. a yoga teacher. She's oh, like Reiki, okay. whatever. I don't even know what Reiki is. Yeah, but, what um, is Reiki? But, um, Do you know what Reiki is? <laughs> Uh, hovering the hand of oh, right, okay. I think it's like home yeah. is this what you meant home it's, it's an energy thing right so I put yeah, on, I put on a um, meditation I know that I put on a meditation thing last night to like three hour Reiki meditation yeah. like, oh, okay this is some bizarre word that I don't know <laughs> bang that was great um, <laughs> no idea what it is though. I actually have no, I actually have no idea what Reiki is whatsoever but yeah. um, she's always told me like with, with stress and anxiety or whatever to just breathe, like just just get yourself, get mm. a couple of big breaths, and and for me, I've never really been able to get my head around that either. Mm. So, how how would you actually like say you're in the middle of a field and you get yourself five seconds, to a, a point's been kicked or a goal's been kicked, and you've actually got a second to gather mm. your thoughts after you've been a bit erratic? Mm. How do you actually? I know it's just a breath. Yeah, yeah. I know how to breathe one breath, but like, how would you explain it to me? It's a it's a way. Is it might be just focusing on one component of it. So. It might be how the lungs expand or the mm-hmm. chest expands and you might feel the rise and fall of it. Yeah. Um, and that just kind of re-centers away from the ongoing particular thoughts that's going to, you know, the ones, the mind wanting to wander and, and mm-hmm. so on. So it just kind of re-centers you to where you are right now. Right. What do I need to do right now? Yeah. So a lot of time with the guys, I try and spend a lot of time talking about what do they need to do next? You know, so it's very technical or very instructive, but it's it's really like the inner coach. Mm. Um. Because the mind will always wonder. It's not mm. really the issue. It's okay, but how to keep it more on track? Yeah. The breath is just that um, that kind of refresh. I, pro- I call it the refresh button. It's the yep. F5, yeah. you know, yeah. where we start again. If you've got that five seconds and someone kicks a point, refresh. Okay, where do I, what do I need to do now? Mm. How am I going? You know, that. what do I need to do? And if you train it like, 
if you if you actually call it the refresh button and, and they know that that's their go-to, it's something that maybe makes them feel comfortable as well and brings them back, you know, if it's a, if it's a habit. Yep. Yeah, is that probably... Because for me, with meditation... Uh, if I, if it's not working for me with me, with meditation, you talk about the breathing, uh, rising of the chest. Mine is um, I just it was in one of the Buddhify meditations. They talk about just focus on ju- um, just this. So you're thinking just this, yep. just this, and the only things I'm thinking about is the air going in my nostrils and out my mouth. There's only yeah. two things, yep. and that's what runs through my head. Yep. So you just try and give them that um, that chest or the or the couple of words or, or something like that, and then yep. use it as their go-to throughout the game. Yep, that's right. Cool. Yep. What other, so what other practices do you have for like in-game, in-game um, stuff? Or? For in-game? Look, the other one uh, that's probably, that is fairly crucial as well, I think is when they come kind of on and off the bench. So I think they're really good opportune times to be able to, to switch off. Mm. Um, but it's really, they get a little bit caught out of wares when they're coming back on again. So yeah. um, a lot of them actually have some, some difficulty kind of refocusing. It's right. like they, their mind rests and that it wants to stay there. Too relaxed. Yeah, yep. so it's almost like how to get them clicking back into gear again. Mm-hmm. And so they do different things. They'll remind themselves of their, their different focus points that they're trying to um, execute during the game. For some guys, it's actually quite more, more physical. Like mm-hmm. They'll actually need to do something more physical before they jump on the ground or get bore in hand or something like that because it'll just sharpen um, yep. their brain again back into, back into focus. But... Now, the rotations are less, but they're, mm. it's the on and off kind mm. of component. Right. I think, and the, actually the other one I think is more important because of the, ro- the lack of rotations now is the physical fatigue they go through. So what I try and teach them with physical fatigue is it's just a sensation. Mm. It doesn't have to wreck you. So physical fatigue for most of us is you know, lactic acid and, and something pretty uncomfortable Yep. But it's also a side to the brain of, I can't get going. Yeah. I'm cooked. Yes. Mm. I'm done. It means I want to give up or yeah. I want to finish. I want to end this, it's the end right now. What I'm trying to teach them is, although they're understandable thoughts, they're the body telling the mind, it wants to quit. Yeah. You don't allow, that doesn't have to overpower you. Mm. They just have to be particular thoughts and you've just got to keep on focusing on what you need to do next. Huh. Yep. That's interesting because I've always thought of sports psychology as like, like you say, underperformance. And, and zoning out and somebody overthinking things like we were discussing. I never actually thought of it as being able to... It, Push uh, through the pain? Or? Yeah, make, yeah. Like use your fitness to a, a better degree because you're able to switch that mind off. Yeah. So that's a big one too, right? Eh? So the mind and body have an ongoing relationship. And so most of the time in, in my work, it's about the mind trying to execute the body what it wants to do or needs to do. Um, but a lot of time, the, the body is sending signals to the mind that then yeah. signals back to the body... Yep, I'm quitting. Mm. So, yeah. yeah. But there, there's classic examples of that sort of stuff. I mean, uh, on one of the first albums I ever bought was a oh, – was, I think it was Battle of Los Angeles. It's a Rage Against the Machine album. And it had that good famous album. photo of – Oh, fantastic. Oh, no, it wasn't that album. That is a great album. <laughs> but I think it was a self-titled one. Anyway, it had that famous photo of that, uh, that Tibetan monk who set himself on fire as a protest for the Vietnam War. And that, that is just, I would say, in terms of mindfulness, that's probably up there with the best, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's just, I don't, I don't really have anything to say to this. But, hey, wait, what, what? Well, have what, you seen that photo? Uh, no, I'm not sure about it. So, it's a photo, so this, 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 this monk in the, during the Vietnam War, as a protest, set himself on fire and was able to stay present in the moment and not, I mean, apparently... What? But yeah. <laughs> apparently being burned is the, the mo- one of the most painful things mm. that can happen to you. That is insane. Yeah, it's insane. There's a video- I wasn't sure what you meant. I'm like, surely he's not saying what I think he's yeah, saying. No, no. <laughs> There's a video of YouTube of it. 
Like, I've seen it. It's it's pretty distressing stuff, you know, so I'm not going to say, anyone out there that has been previously burned, <laughs> don't, don't go look this up. Um, but uh, look, it's out there. And I mean, that that sort of stuff's insane, but it just goes to show how this how far you can get with this sort of stuff. Yeah, walking you know? on the coals. Oh, well, exactly I'd have walked right. on the coals, you know, at a Tony Robbins conference <laughs> thing or whatever. Yeah. Well, apparently about 30, 30, you did that recently in the US and... 30 of them had to go to hospital or something. But, <laughs> but they changes their life. Changes yeah, yeah, their life. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. Now they just um, have to pay money for their feet. No. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. Do you feel, um, is there any correlation between um, people that have, or it makes sense to me that it would be a direct correlation, but it might not. People that have kind of ongoing anxiety, um, depression, like troubles off the field transfers to those same troubles on the field or oh, does totally. it not really work like that? Surely. Uh, well, uh, yeah, both. I mean, absolutely you can, mm. uh, but it doesn't have to is what mm. I'm suggesting. So, um, you know, sometimes we have like ang- anxious personalities, so they're going to be anxious off the field and, and off or more prone to it off yeah. and on the field. So there's definitely a relationship there, but not but not always. There's, mm. there's people who are fairly calm, relaxed off field um, and they're really anxious kind mm. of on field. Really? And then there's people who, um, yeah, are anxious uh, off field, but when they get to playing... It's their outlet, um, yeah, almost. Yeah. yeah, they're they're pretty calm. Right. Um, they actually feel really comfortable. Yeah, they feel like they're at home. Yeah. Another uh, well, another really good profession that's it's a good representation of that is comedians. Yeah. You know, yeah, everyone's you probably hear heard a little bit about this. But. We had a comedian on the show oh, a couple right. of weeks ago, and he was talking a lot about that. But yeah. What did he say? Well, do you know Adam Rosenbachs? Uh, no. Oh, good because he's listening to the show right now. So. <laughs> no, no, he was um he, he doesn't he from memory he doesn't do it too much as a, as an outlet or anything, but there. You look, you think about the, some of the comedians out there that are publicly known to have depression and all that sort of stuff and mm. they use the... I've got this weird theory, right, mm. where um, comedians, you know, we all know that they're so good at being able to view the world in weird ways mm. because I believe because they're sort of overthinkers and mm. then because they're overthinkers, they're naturally prone to mental health issues. And intelligent. And that's why... And intelligent, yeah. Mm. And that's why they're so funny because mm. they see the world like none of us do. Mm. But the dark side of that is they also see... A lot of the negative things that are out there, you know, is that? Do you? Yeah, uh, yeah, I agree. Yeah, I mean, we can, we can talk more generally in this. That with comedians about people that are overthinkers and intelligent are more prone to that. But yeah, I mean, I think a lot of the time comedians, it's, it's, it's a place where they they can just release their alter egos. Oh yeah, they? yeah, exactly. You know, yep. I um I remember reading a. Do you know Quora? Quora. Q U O R A. The Quora Indian. Digest? Yeah, digest? The, the Indian cuisine. It's a bit of, <laughs> bit of balsamic rice. And you get some. Uh... <laughs> um, it's like a it's like a website where you can go online and ask any question in the world, and there'll be fifty scholars that'll answer you. Really, it's an awesome yeah. website. And no, I somehow cool. am on their mailing list. I don't know how or why, but they give me <laughs> they give me the no they give me all these. My inbox will have like, um, <laughs> what would happen if you put an ant on Mars? And I'm like, hmm. That's an interesting question. And I'll just flick so through and I'll read, I'll read like 10 minutes of all these ridiculous like... Anyway, so... Are them useful? Yeah, yeah, no. So some of it is... I don't know how I ended up on this list, but I'm glad it is because... Uh, I am because it's good. But I remember reading a Quora um, post about uh, intelligence and what's, what's somebody who's like high intelligence, like 140 IQ, something like that? Uh, yeah. Yep. So but once you get... Isn't it that once you get past... 140 or you get past like a high range of IQ then your risk of suicide and depression goes up like tenfold every 10 points of 10 points of um, IQ I don't think there's a direct correlation between the two but yeah there is there is that kind of suggestion that fucking Quora yeah Yeah. (laughs) unsubscribe as uh, as someone that has an IQ of 246 (laughs) I can can assure you that that is not the case (laughs) 
Yeah, right. There's a gun in my bag. Don't, don't, don't. <laughs> <laughs> That's a terrible joke. Don't worry yeah. about that then. The but, Mental Health Week show. Uh, really yeah, good, good gag, Tommy. Yeah. Um, so what about these, um, going back to you talked about the um, yeah, programs nice. that you've been running oh. through the Mind Room. Yep. So the, you talked about a program where you have six different um, courses you can choose. Six different mental skills. Me- mental, mental skills you yeah, can choose. Yeah, this is like, it's a bit of a, so, you know, usually we do these things a bit more of an expansive, but in these kind of come and dry, come and try days, you know, giving you six different skills over an hour of the day. So, you know, fairly just giving some good tasters mm-hmm. um, and allows you to kind of work out which ones you would like to choose. And obviously, there's, a, there's an all-day um, ticket as well you can get. Um, for a lot of people who haven't done any kind of mental skills before or performance skills, it's actually really good to do because yeah. then they kind of understand a little bit about what the psychology component's about um, and they're getting good tasters about, okay, what can they actually apply for their sport? So... Yep. Sorry, sorry, I keep cutting you That's off. That's right, because so I find different mental skills apply more depending on the sport you're in. Right, so this mm. is more, this is this is sports psychology, these yep. these, these six, mm-hmm. six parts. So what are some of the, um, what are some of the other practices in, in the six practices that you give to these people oh, so, for the oh, testers? Well, on this day, um, is one about goal getting, arousal control. So goal getting is really about how people set goals, but not many people how to get them, mm-hmm. you know, and, and a bit of an application for that. Mm-hmm. Arousal control. So, it's about how, uh, where you want your arousal levels when you perform. So, it's not about what's right or wrong. It's working out what's the intensity that kind of works for you. Uh, other one is routines. So, in a lot of closed sports, um, routines are super important mm-hmm. in terms of um, for the mind. You know, most people are quite good at routines behaviorally, but not um, psychologically. So, closed sports? Yeah. So, as in... More predictable sports? Yeah, so when you like diving, shooting, oh, yeah. you know, Weightlifting. where um, you're, you ex- you actually exercise the time you want to perform in. As opposed to the unpredictability of a football game. Yep. Okay, I'm with you. Yep. Yeah, because you, you have to perform, you have to be ready at all times. Uh, yeah, yeah. Whenever you need to perform. Mm. Um, and I'm doing with my uh, sports psychologist in my room as well called Marina. She's doing this as well and she's doing something on uh, self talk. Yep. Um, yeah, doing one on mm-hmm. imagery, the different types of imagery you can do. Like recovering from injury, mastery injury, where you can visualize yourself performing at your best. Um, the other one we're doing is about, uh, you know, when coaches talk about um, control of controllables. Yeah. You know, what do they actually mean when they say that? What are the right. different factors that actually are involved in, in that? Mm. So it's just a bit of a catchphrase, but actually no one actually understands what it means. Yeah. Right. So we try yeah. and teach exactly what those specifics are. Okay. God, mm. do you know, this is a massive tangent, but I feel the exact same way about when people say, sure, always eat bananas. Bananas have potassium. It's like, okay, what's potassium? <laughs> uh, well, but just eat it. You know, it's got potassium. It's like, well, yeah, that, yeah, that's right. Yeah, hey, I know what it is. <laughs> hey, um, what do you? I was, oh, I just drew on something before, and I've like, yeah. How do you feel about routine? People that go through their routine and stuff, because I feel I used to have a lot of routines, and it just kicked me in the ass because I felt like if one little thing went wrong, I was screwed. You know? Yeah, yeah. You got to be careful with routines. So, and, you know. Routines can, uh, there's a, there's different lots different types of routines. So we're not the ones that we're going to be talking about on this particular day. We're talking about that you know the last within thirty seconds before you actually have to do a performance. Mm. So as opposed to preparation, you know, so um, you as the like you as the, the the AFL player, yes, you would have maybe a routine or preparation the two days before and the night before, the morning of yep. when you arrive at the ground, blah blah blah. The ones that, and you can have them. That's okay. The ones we're sharpening in on is when you're going for goal. Okay. When you're about to lift something, yep. like what are you doing in those last 15 seconds before you lift? Mm-hmm. What is your mind doing mm. at that point in time? That really, that, the really narrowing or zeroing in on that last uh, 10 or 15 seconds when you want to perform. However, 
you know, we also understand that, yeah, people like routines longer than that. Yeah. I think when you ask that question, you're talking about the more longer ones. Well, I mean, people have some bizarre routines, don't they? If I don't eat like this spaghetti, you know, Thursday night carbo loading or if I don't like yeah. this I don't and that. They're lucky, lucky jocks. Lucky socks. On the Thursday before yeah. the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a pretty, in my opinion, it's relatively Yeah, yeah. Dumb. So you've got to be careful. Some of them are, look, you've got to, preparation's important. And I say to people, you know, Good preparation will give you the best possible chance of performance. So if it's predictable and something you know that works for you, absolutely repeat as much as you can. But you've got to allow for things to go wrong. So, you know, the cycling team I'm in, for example, there's so much to do. Bikes are so finicky little things that they have to kind of play with and Mm. toy with. Things can go wrong. Mm. Like you've got to adjust the gear or get the pressure right on the tires or, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So it's good to have a routine, but you've got to have some flexibility around it Mm. as well, depending on your sport. Um, we actually had um, so we had before two shows before this is our third fourth show today yeah it is me and Tommy um, oh really sat down and we've, we've been on we've been, we've been on since 6.30 this morning yeah because nice. yeah, when we have US guests on Skype it's normally got to be really early because it's like uh, evening for them or yeah. otherwise it doesn't really work okay so we had one we had a guy um, Ben Bergeron who coached both um, of the, 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 the the CrossFit Games champions this year men and yeah. women All right. and he was talking about um, so talking about maybe routines and, and habits and things going wrong mainly talking about things going wrong so he had what he would do for his athletes is he would um, he would get them to write the list of as many things as they could think of that w- could and would go wrong in the competition yep. and then what happens if what's the worst thing that can happen and how do we address it in yep. that scenario so they kind of felt like okay. uh, they kind of felt like even if it was their routine something went wrong I suppose they knew that hey we've already mentally in the back of their head they're like we have technically planned for this yeah. it's not going to end the, the, the competition for me yeah. and it's also I know that I have to do implement this and this to get myself out of this problem I thought yeah. that was interesting I, yeah. heard that yeah. I, I heard um, there's a sports psychologist in Britain who did exactly the same exercise for their Olympic team right they just put it out there they kind of they kind of flooded the idea of like the hundred worst case scenarios yeah. for all their athletes yeah. and went through it all and, and then actually did all the contingencies and spoke it out and then everyone got a copy of it so they knew how to mm. prepare for this year? that scenario this yeah. year uh, 2012 2000, have you what? seen how good Britain have been going? Like their, their, yeah, their was, Olympic growth, yeah. their medal growth? They've been going really well. Yeah, just consistently every year getting better and better and better. I was just going to say that. I wonder if that's solely related to it. Mm. But it, it depends on the sport, doesn't it? Yeah. Like with AFL, how many more scenarios could you think of that, that yep. wouldn't go wrong? You know, yep. it'd just be tough. It'd yeah, you think of a thousand scenarios in the AFL, but I mean, you could probably think of the, the more important, yeah, the more, the more realistic. Yeah, and to be honest, it's kind of a little bit different because um, they're playing on a more regular basis with these Olympic sports. They get one every four years. Mm. You know, you got to get better prepared for it. Like mm. they, you know, I feel those things are already going wrong each week as learning lessons anyway. Mm. So they just get the next week to to bounce back. Mm. Hey, um, so let's go back to your some of your workshops you do with not sport related um, people that sort of sign up for these things. How do you how do you introduce the the idea of mindfulness and meditation to people that are relatively skeptical about it? Because I know that for me it was such a profound influence on my life. But when I first started doing it, I was really not getting anything from it. Probably for the first nine to ten months, like yeah. I just thought breathing like this this is doing me nothing, you know, mm. all this and that. How do you sort of slowly introduce that idea? Well, really, it's about well. Generally, when the discussion comes, when you actually coming up with the idea, is that they're coming for they come they're presenting with some sort of issue, aren't they? Mm. Typically, people don't come off the street and say, "Hey, yeah, uh, what what can you suggest for me?" Yeah, they're coming to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They'll you know, so you got to actually be able to go. How can you apply it? What's you know, what's the purpose of this? Is it around um, they're feeling they're becoming really agitated all the time, or they can't relate to people, connect to people? 
or they find that they're becoming really stressed at work. You know, they find they can't go to sleep because mm. their their mind doesn't switch off. Mm. You know, so you got to you got to tap into like what is it that's actually going on for them, yeah. and then. I guess it's okay. Well, then find the best technique that'll work for them for that scenario. Mm. Um, um, so does does with mindfulness as in like um, meditation, and if someone comes in with deep depression, for example, is compared to someone who has an erratically anxious mind, yeah. would you say mindfulness? Is probably not the first go-to for the person with the, with the depression. Is because is depression like you have to talk about what got you to there, and then anxiety, the, your mind's too busy. Is that kind yeah. of it's a horses for courses, right? Uh, not necessarily. I don't think so. So okay. when we're talking about let's let's go call, instead of putting labels like in terms of depression, anxiety, let's just call it the emotions. Okay. So obviously, depression, is sadness, anxiety is anxiety. Um, they're kind of pretty regular emotions that we have. Yep. I find in both scenarios, a lot of the time it's our relationship with those emotions that are the issue. So as you as you're aware as as mindfulness practitioners, it's actually just acknowledging things for what's there, either be thoughts or emotions or physical sensations, right? Mm-hmm. So, for example, a lot of the time I find with people who are depressed is it's not the sadness that they feel; it's their relationship with that sadness. So if I feel sad, there's got to be something wrong with me. There's something catastrophic going on in my life. What's wrong with me? I can't mm-hmm. feel sad. It's not. You know, uh, you know, I'm living in a real, I'm a first world um, person. How can I be feeling sad? Yep. And they start, you know, really getting harder on themselves yeah. for being so. So it's that relationship of having that emotion that's the issue. What mindfulness can, I guess, assist you with is actually seeing the emotion for how it is and accept it. Totally. I guess being non-judgmental about it and learning that it exists in all of us. Mm-hmm. And once we accept that, you'll actually find that the emotion has less power. Yep. Mm. Totally. I think the the best lesson I ever learned in in all of this was that. They use the analogy of um, when you clench your fist and you say, my fist is clenched. You don't say, I'm clenched. So then why would you say, when you have an angry thought, why would you say, I'm angry, as mm. opposed to, oh, there's just an angry thought there. Yeah. And like the more you detach that. Yeah, so is it going on with what Bill's saying? Bill was asking if there were two different things, but mindfulness teaches you just to relax and look at it um, separate as just what they are, thoughts and emotions. Yeah. And then the more you let those pass through, they can really help with depression and anxiety in any sort of mental health issue. Yeah. And yeah. anger as well. Like anger is another really common presentation. Um, and so the, the the variation really about that is, okay, but because we try and get really physical with it as well sometimes. So where do you feel things in the body when you have these emotions? So anger, it could be in the fists and so on. In the jaw, it could be in the, the heart beating. The sadness mm. could be the pit of your stomach. And people will be able to talk about the different areas where they actually feel the emotion in their body. Mm. That's probably the variation with it. Mm. That's so true. That's interesting. I never actually thought that you know how um, I never actually thought that you could feel actual sensations yeah. in your body from yeah. certain things that are going on. I didn't and then that. once back in the day, I've only like had a like been you know how people say heartbroken. Yeah. Like I've only been really super upset about a relationship once, and uh, and I was talking to one of my mates about it. I still few, like you, mate. <laughs> <laughs> talking to one of the, talking to one of the, uh, the the boys about it. A month after it, uh, it, it, all, it all happened, I got uh, basically didn't get what I wanted in the way of relationship. I wanted to, to, you know, I wanted to be with this this girl, and she didn't really want that. Yeah. And um, and I was talking to one of my mates about it, and uh, he goes, "Yeah, like how's it all going?" And I, and I said to him, "Man, do you know what's going on right now?" He goes, "What?" Well, I said, "My heart is hurting. Yeah. Like I feel chest pain. 
like daily. Loser. <laughs> <laughs> but in, in all seriousness, I was like, because uh, you know how you, you see like movies and you, you hear mainly chicks, guys obviously don't normally talk about, oh my God, I'm heartbreak. <laughs> but um, but I, I, I realized, I'm like, this is strange. This yeah. is an actual definite, definite physical feeling. How yeah. does that work? What's going on with, well, it, it, what's going on when that happens? As I said, the mind body always have a connection. They're mm. always kind of talking to each other. That, that never ends. Never. Mm. Mm. So, yeah. So, if you're stressed like or you're nervous in the pit of your stomach, that's your mind telling your, your stomach to, hey, act up, play weird. We're, we're, under, we're under stress here. Yeah. Yep. So, it's a sign. And it's, a, and it's actually a good sign for our minds to go, I need to take care of myself here. Yeah. For, most, for most people, it's like, oh, I've got to find some safety. Because mm. um, I'm feeling I'm feeling under threat, yeah, yeah, in danger. Yeah. It's like a survival yeah. mechanism. Yeah. God, that's amazing, isn't it? I'm just thinking of all the the different feelings I'll, I'll sometimes get that are totally related to the the emotions I'm feeling at the time. Yeah, yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, mm. wow. And it's and it varies for different emotions. And it varies for different people, of course. Yeah. People, because it's not like you don't have it, in your, but you also have it in spots that are stronger than others, or you identify with that area more exactly. for whatever reason. Exactly. I was just thinking. Oh, for my example, then I was just thinking. You know, we. People get really worried when they feel like a, a heart chest or something, a, a, you know, heart pain when it's probably sweet. I mean, that's a strong emotion, but uh, or a strong sensation. But when we example, when we laugh, you know, to the point where I can't get up off the chair <laughs> and I'm feeling a lot of pain in my stomach, it, that's like a good pain. So I don't recognise it as an issue. Yeah. It's interesting, really. Well, it's the same physical sensation. It's the same. It's like, like the same. Tighten you're up like, here. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. You guys will notice it as trainers, you know, there's a difference between dom soreness and, and I've actually really hurt myself here. I need to go yeah. see someone about it. And yeah. rhabdo like analysis. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> need to go get some Reiki. Hashtag Reiki. Got a Reiki, um, have a Reiki sesh. <laughs> Gotta go get raked. Um, <laughs> so, so, you like that one, Tom? That's not that good. Sounds sound, sound like something else. That's what I I actually wasn't meaning in the, in the, uh, the rapey terms, but so. Consensual um, Reiki. <laughs> Sorry, Michael, I've lost, lost the plot. Um, what I was going to say is, um, how much does uh, how much does nutrition come into when someone walks in the door? Do you talk through people with what they're actually eating, what they're putting in their body? Because if you're going to be feeding yourself shit all, all day, every day. Yeah, yeah. So the main ones, uh, the main life we find is, I mean, yeah, I mean, they're all good nutrition. Obviously, what we fuel ourselves with has an influence on our bodies and therefore our moods. Uh, <laughs> the, main one me, man. the main one that comes out to me is particularly around anxiety, so caffeine and sugar. Yeah. Because they elevate... So basically, you remember, anxiety can start off in the, in the mind or in the body. So if you actually lift up... Um, if you actually eat sugar and caffeine... Oh, I actually lost it. <laughs> I'm so, so sorry. I'm completely lost. Talking about sugar and caffeine. This is my worst <laughs> nightmare right now. I'm losing it. I'm <laughs> never had from before. Yeah, I know. You lost me with that consensual. <laughs> sorry, Mike. <laughs> Shit. Oh. Fuck. Yeah, no, no good. No good. All right, I'm going to sit down here for a second. I'm just going to let you talk. <laughs> should we start again? Yeah, we probably no, should. We just, no, we can just, we can just, we'll keep we'll going. Recording. It's classic. We'll get, we'll get our shit together. It's here. absolutely classic. Anyway. Sorry, so... But in all seriousness, because people talk about um, people talk about the fact that people go to the doctors to get mental health plans, and the doctors don't very often um, actually ask what's your diet like and really look into that side of it. And then when they get referred on to you, though, you do. Um, it depends. I wouldn't say 
Yeah, look, we would. There is something we would look at. I mean, it's a lifestyle factor. There's different types of lifestyle factors we need to kind of look at. Yeah. So nutrition would be one of them. But as I said, in particular, um, around anxiety, things like yeah, caffeine, um, caffeine and sugars. And actually, really, a lot of the times, sometimes a lot of the prescribed medications. So mm. even those energy drinks now, and et cetera, et cetera. Um, you'd be surprised now in terms of what people can apply themselves to they can get things legally. So, for mm. example, energy drinks and caffeine and sugar and then find some ways to, to dumb down that night, like yep. prescribed medication. Yeah. So, the, really, the, it kind of teaches the body that you need that. So, you do the same thing over and over again each day. Mm-hmm. So, it's something we would kind of ask about or investigate about. But, yeah, it depends on what else comes up in the conversation and right. presentation. So, it's more stimulants. But, yeah, I just think there's a really interesting... I don't think... I don't know. What do you think? I don't think... It doesn't seem like it's explored that much. So, say for example... Say for example, somebody comes in... I'm not saying you're doing a bad job or doctors do a bad job. Obviously, you studied in what you studied. But someone comes in and they're eating McDonald's five days a week for the last three years. Mm. You know, surely that's got to have... Food, food is a drug. Like, I remember one of, the, the first things, one of the first things you asked me when um, I came to see you was, you know, have, have you had any... Um, past experiences on drugs, you know, and, and things like that. And um, I reckon it has a massive factor. Like, mm. I remember I had a panic attack once doing a, a public speak because um, when I was making a... Doing a um, public speak. Doing a public speak. When I was making <laughs> you a speech... You didn't say that, did you? Yeah. <laughs> Thanks okay, for giving guys. me the... Uh, <laughs> yeah. No, when I was doing speak. a talk, um, because I'd had a coffee before that and yeah. I never drank coffee, you yeah. know. And, like, food, Bill just said, the example of McDonald's and McDonald's is a drug yeah. and food is a drug. I'm, I'm sure there would be and that would be so closely related to yeah. Well, you know, and there's and you know when you explain that situation, the first thing there's two different types of way we look at nutrition as well, isn't it? It's like um, how it affects us psychologically, but also um, how it affects our body. Yeah, and that's what then I'm you've got a body about, yeah. image component. Because oh, if, okay, yeah. You know, because you've got mm. the the issue around well, I'm feeling overweight and blah blah blah, and I really like how I look and mm. et cetera, et cetera. Then you're dealing with another kind of another uh, factor on top of that. Mm. But I mean, yeah, I think look, we've got a at the moment we've got a health psychologist who's really interested in gut health, and she's really into the type of food we put in the body um, is really really important. Yeah, and that she believes there's a real psychological component in terms of our gut health. Mm. So yeah, obviously we're talking about like food intolerances, etc., 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 and how they can affect us um, psychologically. And I think there's some merit there. It's just like chronic pain. Yeah. yeah, if you walk around in chronic pain, it has effect on us psychologically. Oh, yeah, totally. that's more what I was thinking. I wasn't even thinking down the lines of obviously image, image portrayal. Like if you are overweight or skinny or or too skinny, I wasn't even thinking about that. I was more thinking about like the food, what it actually does to mm. our to our insides and our mm. system. If you're just eating crap, yeah, um, it's just I just I just find it really interesting. Yeah, because I I don't understand any of that. Un, like what your gut biome does to yeah. your, your energy yeah, levels yeah, yeah. and your system and your mindset. I don't understand a lot of it because it goes kind of goes over my head. But mm. I listen to some podcasts. I've yeah, listened yeah, to stuff yeah. about it. It's very interesting to me. So I thought I would ask. Yep. Um, so it's, a, it's an area that's probably not fully tapped in, well, in terms of psychological component. Anyway, I mean, I think yeah. there's enough nutrition and and mm. dietary information out there, yeah. fads and so on. But yeah, oh, exactly. how it's being pulled together psychologically. Yeah, I think there's there's room for growth. I know, as I said, the well, the health psych at um, mine room. It's something that she really wants to explore further. Mm. Do you use some of those ideas into your own uh, practice outside of the outside of the profession? For me personally, yeah. or just with other teams I well, consult with? For you with? personally, like, would you look at your the diet and yep. you know all that sort of stuff? Yep. yep. Yeah, I think it's it's. I think when you're in the health field, you, you can't help but tap into 
are they areas that you know all kind of cross over at some point, don't you? And then, you know, obviously if you, you know, you want to practice what you preach a little bit. Um, so, yeah, I'm definitely kind of mindful of, you know, what my diet's like and, and so on and so forth. Do you know anything about the ketogenic diet? No. Mm. Oh, it's just a – so the ketogenic diet's when um, you eat predominantly – fat as your fuel source yeah. so you're obviously going to still get your protein in um, you just limit your carbs to I think it's like 10% of your daily intake and then yep. there's a huge portion is fats good fats obviously and then protein just your regular portion yep. and then after a couple of weeks your body will start to run on uh, your body will start to run on fat and it produces ketones in your yep. brain yep. which I don't understand again if you read the bulletproof diet you know the bulletproof diet yeah. is fat. That, that's basically the ketogenic diet yep. um, and it's just um, interesting yeah, I'd like to learn more about why because they say it gives you a sharper uh, mental acuity. Yep. Like you're able to process things a lot faster when your brain's running on ketones and I don't know anything about it. So it's something that I would love to look into. I wanted to try it for myself because I went through some stuff that I was feeling pretty shit before I went to this US trip and the US trip was really not very enjoyable for me. The people were great. I made some great friends, all that stuff. But like had a lot of stress going on okay. and um, that's when I talked to you when I got back yep. um, briefly. But... Um, I wanted to look into the ketogenic diet just to see if surely if your brain's functioning faster and you're, you're feeling smarter. Yep. They, 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 a lot of people use it to feel smarter and, and yeah, be right. a better, more efficient businessman or entrepreneur. Yep. Yeah, I, I wanted to test it out because surely if you're feeling tip-top up here, yeah. you're going to feel pretty good Everywhere else in your mental state, I think. Yeah, right. Mm. Yeah, I know um, yeah, one guy who, who did that as well. He had some, he had some other kind of health issue and he switched to that and he's in the health profession as well. He swears by it. Everything's, yeah. you know, really changed. And all his blood levels completely changed. Yeah. Uh, um, and when he actually, he actually did it, um, he actually did it behind <laughs> his kind of doctor's back about what he was doing and said, but do my retesting and just to see what he like. He goes, wow, what have you done? It's amazing. And he told him what he had done, which is really? generally against the medical advice. Yeah. And yeah. he was kind of blown away. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, the only thing is it's really... This, isn't there? Yeah. Like, there's and so many new sustainable. And, is exactly. Yeah. You know, so I'm not saying it, you know, you got you got to find something sustainable for you. Yeah, that's what the hardest thing is with a ketogenic diet. It's yeah. just hard. Yeah, like you got to you're eating nuts. Yeah, you're eating with your protein. You're trying to get as much fish in as possible, and you're eating shitloads of avocado. Yeah, yeah. Like how many other real it's good, tough. like dense fat consumptions or uh, products are there that you can get enough fat in? Yeah. Exactly. So like it's just really he was yeah. like fatty. He was just going to these like a butcher and eating a whole lot of fatty meats. Yeah, get yeah. all the fat on. Yeah, eating it all, you know. Yeah, that's right. And I, yeah, I hear really good responses for it. So I'm going to try it at some point. It's just like I say, it's just really hard to actually get everything in place and work. Because if you go and have a, a couple of cheat meals, you drop out of ketosis, and then it takes a while to get. It's a bit of you know. How long does it take to get back into it? Uh, I'm not sure. I'm not actually. I'm uh, not. There's no point me going too much into yeah. it, really, because I don't know enough about yeah. it. It'd be I just reckon if I did. I'd be so far out of it, given the fact that I had one large <laughs> oak chocolate milk, a pie, and a sausage roll this morning for breakfast at the local Seven Eleven. Really? Yeah. You know, look. I mean, I'm, a, I'm an athlete, and, uh, <laughs> and uh, you know, you, you got to have cheat meals, and uh, I'm aware of that. Chocolate yeah, three, high in yeah, three in one city. Uh, what was that? Sorry. Chocolate milk is high in recovery. Yeah, it is. Yep. Uh, sausage chocolate roll milk is probably the, the healthiest thing. <laughs> That's hey. pr- probably was. The pie was. Um, I've got. I've got the it sweats right now so <laughs> sausage roll I think I've currently got cancer that disgusting man <laughs> it was shocking I felt really unhealthy obviously you trained really hard this morning nah slept really hard yeah I slept really hard yeah um, yeah cool so if we're, if we're talking about somebody coming in so we're not talking about sports psychology wise, mm. someone's just coming in um, 
we, we in our conversations we talk a lot about um, meditation yes. in the me, yeah. me and Tommy specifically and yeah. then us specifically when you've been on the show yeah so my grandfather had depression um, for 40 years. He was medicated and, and stuff. Um, aside from medication, how do you fight an illness like that? I mean, obviously, meditation, you're going to be saying meditate daily and all this, but what other stuff do you attack an illness like that with? Well, illness is different to have mental Yes, yes. So, sorry, sorry. Well, yeah. yeah, so, yeah, there's variations, of course. And you've you got to remember there's, you know, to set up the platform is there's, there's variations of mental health too. So, you know, when I hear about your grandfather having depression for 40 years, I go, okay, he was, I imagine, he was, and he was medicated, is that right? He was medicated from when he was 38, I think. Yeah. And then uh, the he had a life. mental breakdown and yep. then from stress and then he was medita- medi- medicated and he was great. He was the life of the party, the most outgoing guy, really loved everyone, really stood proud and, and I never knew until he yep. was 60... I think he died when he was 67. He killed himself. And I think he they changed his medication. They took it off the market and just did it, just varied it basically. Yep. And then they, so he stayed on it, but they just changed it a little bit. And then for the last two or three years of his life, he was, he behaved uh, kind of like you see in a movie of someone with really heavy depression. Like doesn't yeah. look anyone in the eyes, yep. sits in their chair, won't talk to anyone. And I had all these um, cousins and uh all my little cousins, I really felt the worst for my little cousins because I knew him as the great, great, I called him Super, Super yeah. Grandpa. That was his, that was his name. And um, I knew him as the, like he was like a- The life of the party. Hero of mine kind of, you know? Yeah. And they, my, my little cousins loved him like you love any of your grandparents, but mm. they didn't even see that side of him. He was yeah. this shell of a person that they mm. saw and they loved him, you know? But yeah, so that's the story behind my grandpa basically. But he was, um, yeah, medicated for 40 years. Okay. Yeah, right. So, yeah, there's different, um, I guess there's different types of mental illness as well, mental health. So, there are a lot of people who are, who only delve in the mild, moderate kind of range. Mm. So, and that would be, you know, so when we talk about, you know, one in four, one in five people establishing mental illness, it kind of takes up this whole platform of some, like any other physical health issue. They can be quite mild or moderate, and then they can be well, more kind of very severe. Yeah. So, you know, when I hear your grandpa like that, it's probably more in the, the severe kind of range. Yeah. So our approach, depending on where they're where they're at, and we can kind of measure that by both testing and through interviewing, gives us an idea about what they what they most need. Now, there's different philosophical approaches with this, but for me, I'm someone who, if there's two significant intervention points, there's um, there's medication and there's therapy. You know, so obviously uh, psychiatrists and GPs do the medication side of things, psychologists and so on do the the therapy kind of component. Although some psychiatrists do the therapy component too. Um, so where they sit is typically uh, where we, we can actually say, okay, this would be the best form of treatment for them. Right. Um, but a lot of evidence when you get to severe onwards, you know, they're severe or extremely severe mode and particularly long-term, it's, it appears that medication is required as long as, as well as therapy. Yeah. I was just going to ask, is it so when it's very severe, do you use the, the, the medication as like a numbing so that you can work productively with therapy? I would call it more of a stabilisation than the numbing. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And sometimes, and the issue around medication, of course, is getting the right one. Yeah. You know, so this is the hard part. I think people get, uh, it, you know, you really hope that it works early because people get fairly disheartened. People don't like the stigma of being on medication. Mm, so yeah. um, if they have side effects or they feel like it's not working or they're not adhering to it, it can kind of really upset the work. Yeah. Um, 
A lot but, of people feel numb, they say. Yeah, their emotions are numb. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. Had, I had a, I've had, because I've had this little bit of anxiety and stuff going on the last couple of years or whatever, I've spoken to a lot of people about it and they've given, you know, a lot of people have given me their side. They, they've been personally through the same stuff and they've either been, medica- either been medicated or not. And the mm. ones that have been medicated, it's been so varied. I've had a couple of people that I know that said, don't, and I never really wanted to unless I really, really, really needed to because of mm. obviously what happened with grandpa. Um, and just in general, you don't want to get a medication yeah. if you don't have to. But uh, a lot of people were um, said that it just numbed their senses 100%, and then they didn't have they didn't have any really super negative thoughts, but they had no joy in life as yeah. well. And yeah. then, but then on, on the other hand, and this is a really close friend of mine. I was talking about him on the show, but I won't mention his name. Um, he's actually just got on medication, and it's bloody awesome. Mm. I'm so happy for him because he's one of the greatest guys ever, and it's gotten him back to where he always was and how yeah, he should be. And he yeah. feels, at the moment, from I talked to him a bit and he feels like it's just been nothing but a positive influence. He yeah. doesn't have that numbing. He's just like, I feel like myself again. Yeah. Really? He's really happy. With, yeah, yeah, he's really, really happy with it. And that's what my friend, another friend of mine, um, my friends, my best mates, one of my best mates' cousins yep. said the same thing. She's been, never would guess it. She just, but she, she had the same thing. She, she um, felt like it just got her back to being her. Hmm. As opposed to, yeah, some people who just say it just kills all their senses. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Look, I think those two examples are, are, are pretty typical examples I've heard. I've heard mm. both of those um, fairly frequently. Mm. Um, and so, you know, it's one form. And I think what I try and try and encourage people to do is, okay, if the first one doesn't work, like it does numb you, you don't like that side effect or they have other side effects, you know, it's worthwhile keep on trying with some others because there's, there's a lot out there yeah and you know where there's not some kind of test you can do okay your brain needs this specific one and yeah. um, unfortunately in the in the medical world it, we don't get it right the first time trial and error yeah, yeah absolutely it's hard I mean I just yeah when it when it's mental health like every person's mind is just so unique and you know and it's, it's so subjective to to say this medication will work for you mm. and it will work for you yeah. That's yeah. It's hard to um, put it into groups. Yep. Don't you reckon? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Um, so, one thing I've always wanted to know. So we're talking about ways that you treat anxiety and depression. So always think of the Sopranos. You ever watch the Sopranos? Yeah. And Tony Soprano goes in, and it's. Oh, did you see it, Tommy? No. Did you watch it. No. It's just like a. Um, the Sopranos, obviously, it's an ongoing part of the series is Tony Soprano sitting down with his counselor. Yep. And a psychologist, and just talking about all the shit he's done and his oh, yeah. family and all that. And I've always wondered, it just sticks, when I think of sitting down with a psychologist, I think of Tony Soprano. <laughs> oh dear. Is he, like, yeah. is he like lying down on a bed? And, no, he's not, he doesn't lie down on the bed, but you think oh, yeah. about that as well. He just yeah. sits in a chair, but, but they have this discussion. So how does that actually work in terms of, in terms of um, helping somebody get out of uh, depressive states and stuff? How does it actually... Look, I don't know if I'll use uh, the Tony Soprano example <laughs> yeah. as, uh, as one, but look, for me, um, when someone engages on, on a mental health uh, on a mental health scale, I reckon the, the most important part to start off with is them actually under- you're, you're helping them best understand their illness, if mm. that makes sense. So a lot of time, people are really confused about what's actually happening with them. Mm. And I actually think we've got what's what we call psychoeducation. If we can teach the client actually exactly what's going on what are the trigger points what are the particular issues why it happens and when what are the different emotions etc etc yep how they're possibly avoiding some areas in life that are unhelpful once we kind of give them the landscape of that 
it actually gives them a lot of power because they go, hey, on, I can actually do a lot about this. Mm. I'm actually just not the whim of this illness. There's all these scenarios that Michael has talked to me about that actually go, okay, I can do something about that there. Yep, I'm empowered to change that there. Yeah, I can alter this relationship, whatever it might be. Um, right. And it gives them, once you, I, I'm a very, I, I actually whiteboard it for them. I actually give them a, a framework and, 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 and educate exactly what's going on with them psychologically. But the, the best thing about it, I think, is, you know, what, I look at it and go, which ones do you think you can change? Mm. Which ones do you think you can adjust right now? Mm. So it could be things around, you know, diet, is that, or it could be about a particular relationship. Mm. It might be a particular type of thinking pattern. Um, it might have been something they're still really angry about 20 years ago. Um, do you do that with the, with the putting them on the on the board because um, people some people are visual learners rather than yep yeah that's well, an component as well but sometimes it's good to put it in a picture isn't it mm, and it see is. exactly what it Just is see what's on yeah and you're connecting it this is leading to that yeah leading to that and they go now I get it because my um, my business coach Ariane he he's also very good with mindset really he's he's like he's kind of like my psychologist as well as my business mm-hmm. coach and there was one particular when i got back from the u.s i was emailing him in the u.s going oh, I'm, I'm done with this i've had this happen i can't believe it. i'm just i was like pretty low ebb business wise okay and um when i got back with our, our only catch up with him i was telling you only to show uh, once a fortnight for an hour so like i'm paying a lot of money for that to get business insights mm-hmm. but we spent that whole end up being about two hours spent that whole time talking about mindset and mindfulness and whatever and he put it all on the board and yeah, when he actually drew it out and he, he drew like um, problems that I have, like I'm a, um, I don't know, I don't provide myself time for myself. So he drew, he drew on a chart, he goes, this is when I give you a task, this is when the task should be done, you do the task here. So for the listeners, I've, I've, I'm a, a meter is basically the, 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 the width of the timeline and then I'm doing it as, uh, an inch later. Three centimeters. An inch later, yeah. yeah. And then you're like, what's next? And I realized that, and I, when he, but... That was one of the things that, that he, he drew. But when he drew it up on the board, it made heaps of sense. And I actually got him to screenshot it. Uh, not screenshot it. Um, uh, take a photo and email me the photo. I've still got the photo in my yeah. emails to kind of refer to because it just made heaps yeah. of sense to me. Yeah, I do that too. Mm. Take photos of whatever I draw up there, you know, what we're talking about and send it to them and um, they sit on it and they kind of read it. And then they, actually t- then they can actually see why when things play out during their week in between when they see me next, um, they can actually refer to it and go, okay, they understand what's happening here. So just the awareness identification is a really important component, and you, yeah. if you don't, if you don't have that early, and you can't explain it to them, or they don't understand it themselves, how can you intervene? Yeah, like how can you possibly Absolutely. put the interventions in place unless we both understand yeah. it well? They've got to be completely honest with you as well, don't like? Yeah, like you, I imagine that the first, yeah, like the first couple of times they walk in, you get some people that are maybe in denial about something, or they're not aware of it, and they wouldn't be telling you the whole scenario. And yep. uh, are you pretty aware of that when those people present themselves? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, it, and so you just, you know, quite, to me, I go quite understandably. You met me for the first time. This can be really uncomfortable for a lot of people. Yeah, you need to. I need to establish some trust with you. Yeah, and once you have that, maybe we, we can work. Better work better together. Mm-hmm. The hardest part about our job is um, patience. Yeah. So uh, unfortunately, or fortunately, clients uh, clients want things uh, a lot of the time now. Yeah. They want one or two sessions. Let's go. Yeah. Um, we're talking about the last thirty years of your life. It's going to be yeah. hard to do that. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, For sure. Yeah. Hey, um, I've got a um, relatively personal question. If that's cool with you, um, I was wondering what led you onto the path of getting into. Um, mental health and if, if something traumatic happened in your life that made you rewrote 
Yeah, look, I think, um, look, I, you know, I, I don't want to go into it because just in case I don't want to expose the person on, sure. on, on, on air or anything like that. But yeah, there's definitely a personal scenario I went through in my teenage years that affected not just me, but family and other people around me. And I, and I think that had a bit of a, a long-lasting sense of mm. um, this. And I remember, actually, I didn't even do psychology in year 12. Um, I only started at uni. So it was in my second year and I, I came across a particular component. I realized that um, what this person had gone through and it really um, had an impact on me and, it, and I just uh, just initially engaged with it mm. in that particular component of psychology and it was really it related to her and um, that kind of really inspired me I could mm. see myself going so there's a lot of good in this yeah um, this is an area I'm really really interested in in mm. taking on yeah so what about um, what about when you're sitting down with someone and you're, you're nutting out um, things in their past so you talk about putting stuff on a board and talking about what's going on with you now so just again, my example was that example of I do things too quick and I want to get on to the next thing, and which is all well and good, but mm. I don't provide time for myself. And I'm very much not a high-energy person, mm. so I need to have that time to... So I yeah. establish that by having this conversation. So it's written up on the board. I'm like, oh, that makes total sense, mm. you know, like you say. But um, what about when somebody comes to you and they have something that you can't change? So something that's like... Obviously, something in their past that mm. their their father was, you know, abusive, or they watched mm. something horrific happen to one of their friends, or so, something like that. Something that's yeah. set. How do you get around that scenario? Yeah. So, like, there's a past trauma. Yeah. Let's say. Yeah. I mean, again, it's that relationship with that trauma. Most of the time, it's because it's still impacting on them as it did as it happened yesterday. Mm. So it's because a lot of the time um, they're avoiding it, or or it's having a subconscious impact on them. So, so a lot of the time, unfortunately, to kind of go back there and kind of relive it and re-experience it to kind of mm-hmm. change its shape and that allows you to um, kind of go forward with it again. So, you, it's what you, you are changing, but you're changing your relationship with that incident, if that makes sense. It so, your, makes sense. the way you think about it and feel about it changes. So, how do you go back and relive it then? How does that actually play out? Yeah, we can do, uh, the way I do it is through imagery. So mm-hmm. I do it through visualization and actually re-experiencing it. But a lot of time when people have these experiences, uh, they haven't talked about it ever yeah, or for a long time. And so it's actually, you'd be actually surprised at how lack of detail it is. And when they actually go into talking about it further into a deeper and you keep on kind of going through it really deeply, they actually, a lot of, most of the time, they come in and go, it actually wasn't as bad as I thought. Yeah. Mm. Yep. Because it's out there now. Yeah. Is that why journal writing works so well? Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yep. You can just see for what it actually is. And yeah, it's exactly. Just, it's not that bad. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Okay. Well, Bill and I have definitely taken on that. Are you still yeah. doing your journal yeah. writing? Yeah. Yep. yep. Um, missed yesterday. I hate it when I miss a day. Yeah. Um, I only started journal writing because Tommy was t- talking about it. So now in, in the mornings, we nearly talk about this every show. Yeah. Now in the mornings. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> yeah, yes. But what I have is, a, it, is there a particular structure to it? We do. We have some structure, yeah. I'll show you mine. Yeah. Mine's just, yeah. Mine's pretty similar. <laughs> oh, no, mine's in my bag over there. I won't get it out. It's just like a little, mine's a little book and literally all I do is write three points that I'm grateful for and they might be two two lines. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know whether this is right or wrong. It's just the way I've been doing it. But I don't spend more than five minutes on it. Yeah. Not, even, not even close to that. Yeah. I'll, I'll write something down if something's negatively impacting me like I've been having this I've got the national I fly to Brisbane this afternoon to compete oh, in the national championships yeah. weightlifting um, and the last three months or probably two months of training have been horrible they were alright until I went to the US and I didn't get a chance to train when I came back far out three weeks and yeah. I'd really just gone lost everything yeah. pull, strength wise and stuff yeah. so and I was just having a real tough run so if I'm feeling particularly bad about weightlifting what I'll do is I'll write um 
I'm really grateful that I'm able to um, train with my friends at my weightlifting club because I had back injuries I couldn't even train. Yeah. So it's my favorite place to be. So it's not all bad. Yeah. You know, it's just I'm not going to win the, uh, the Olympics. Yeah. You know, so I try and frame negative things in a positive way. Yeah. And then also there's basically just that. And then if I can't think of anything, like I say, I'm, I'm busy and I just want to get a quick win. I, I, I just, I'll write something pretty broad down. Like yeah. I'm really happy to have this roof over my head, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. because yeah. I do. Yeah. And there's so many people that don't. So I don't actually, I was talking to my mate uh, Asher who listens to the podcast uh, about this practice as well. He was just talk, we we're talking about some stuff and, mm-hmm. and I was telling him how um, he should try it. And he's like, oh yeah, but what would I think? Oh, I'm like, man, there's so many things to be grateful for. Oh, and yeah. it doesn't have to be totally. creative. Yeah, people think of, to- like they've got to think of the next overseas holiday yeah. or, yeah. you know, winning Tats Lotto or, yeah. you know, something that really, it's like it could be just the appreciation of someone smiled at you as you walk past them in the yeah. morning. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. So yeah. So that's me. In the mornings now, I have a I have a warm shower, finish on a cold shower for a couple of minutes, and then I meditate and I'll journal and I try and read. So it's really good. But the the gratitude stuff, I actually felt like nearly more than anything hmm. that had nearly more than even meditation that had a positive impact on me. Yeah. There's there's, there's a lot of um, lot of good evidence for gratitude journal and happiness. Mm. Yeah. Because um, hmm. it's just positive energy, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, and it gives us perspective. Yeah, you know, yeah. So think about the times when you were feeling down. You could have easily sunk into that further, couldn't you? Mm. You could have really um, let that surround you for a long period of time. But it's a simple question of things that you can appreciate. What you do have allows you to go, okay, actually, there's a bit of balance to this. Yeah, Absolutely. 100%. Yeah. It's never all that bad. Well, yeah, or it's a really should, good uh... simple task that anyone can do. And um, as I said, it takes you five minutes a day. Yep. Have you got, um, have you got good do bad I? science? Do you? You've got good bad uh, science. Oh, I've got it. Oh, I didn't realize you had it. Let's go. What do you got? We haven't done the good bad science for a while. It's been a while. Yeah, we've had a lot of Skype interviews and a lot of um, um, ones with just me and Bill. So this, this is going to be fun. I'm excited about it. <laughs> I remember it from last time. Yeah, you remember that? Yeah. I'm talking about trauma. <laughs> Very true. At least you didn't, you didn't get a song this time. Yeah, you didn't get a song this time. True. Well, uh, hey, that's not traumatic. <laughs> <laughs> Naked man exposes his sausage at Waffle House. <laughs> a witness said. I wouldn't know how to tell my kid what was going on at the time. He was built like a potato. A man has been found showing his waffle at a waffle house. <laughs> a Georgian man is facing public indecency charges after allegedly trying to force his way into a waffle house while stark naked. Bashir Rashid, 36. You know Bashir Rashid. <laughs> know him well. <laughs> yeah. He's a, he's a funny... We've had him on the show, actually, Bashir. He's... um. He's in fine dining. Okay. I've mashed waffles with him. <laughs> yeah, you have to, that's right. The uh, Hamal. <laughs> Bashir Rashid, 36, was arrested June the 7th after he drove his BMW to a waffle house in Sandy Springs, got out of the car and tried to enter the restaurant without clothes. Now, this got me thinking, guys, what are some of the weirdest things you guys have done whilst completely naked? Now, Bill, I reckon you've done about 50 of them. <laughs> give, give us one, give us one, and then we'll um... uh, move over to Mike. Ooh, really? Weird things I've done. <laughs> weird things I've done while apart from the last show, <laughs> while completely naked. Um, I've done a lot of stuff. I've done a lot of silly things completely naked. Yeah. Probably the silliest was I think we spoke about it though the other day when I jumped out of that tree naked. Oh yeah. Why we, were you um, naked again? Because uh, we thought it would be funnier. Yeah, it is always. Funny, <laughs> what happened, Michael? Was we're talking about we're actually talking about it on the other show because I thought talked about how much dumb stuff I've done when I was young and when I was like wasted basically. Yeah. And uh, me and my friend broke into a um, primary school once. And the 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 um, pool had a mat over it, so we had beers with us, 
We decided to. We had three mates. So one was the film, and me and, me and Sugar, my mate, were um, were the, were the ones that gone through it. So we made this clip where uh, one of them was standing there naked. We cheers our beers, and then it was a run across the pool naked while you scull a beer off. So there was three things you could win. No, two things you could win. You could win the sculling of the beer, and you could win the running across the pool naked. So that's. Look, I don't really need to go any further. That's pretty pretty stupid. And then we jumped out of um, then we jumped out a couple of trees. Um, into the pool. I've got a really big fear about running across like a pool with a mat on it because mm. I feel like if I just fell in there, the mat would engulf me yeah, and yeah, I would yeah. drown. Yep. Yeah, that's well, that's yeah, how my grandpa yeah, yeah. killed himself. That's the first thing I think about. That's, that's exactly. how my grandpa killed himself. Really? Is it yeah, really? Who I was talking about before. Because wow. he couldn't swim that well and he um, ducked under the, the matting of his oh. best friend's pool because yeah. uh, he knew he wouldn't really be able to get out. Yeah. See, that freaks me out. Mm. Anyway, moving on. The bad. Yeah. Parents are turning to marijuana. Oh, no, hang on a second. <laughs> oh, you almost got past oh, me there. Oh, I was just like nodding my head. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Have you yeah, done anything? Bad? Done anything with, uh, well, whilst being naked? I don't think I've got... A, I don't Maybe think a session with someone? No. So tell me about your issues, we, mate. We do have boundaries. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Unfortunately, we've got a whole lot of well, ethical guidelines. That's not what you told me. <laughs> <laughs> that's, I'm joking. Am I a life coach? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> no, no, we'll, we'll move on, we'll move on. All right. The bad. Parents are turning to marijuana more than teens, a study suggests. Marijuana use is often a top concern among parents of teens, but a new government report suggests it's not the kids you need to worry about. A 12-year report from the Centers for Disease Control released Friday shows a surprising trend. Older people and not teens are turning to pot at a more rapid rate. Now, I wanted to ask you, Mike, um, if you've had any experiences on marijuana, but also to... Do you think there's any positive benefits for marijuana use in the mental health industry? None at all. In fact, that's a big concern. Yeah. So um, the main issue, the main the initial triggers for people experiencing mental health typically occurs between the ages of 15 and 25. Okay. Okay. So and if you actually, if you do the maths, what's the, what's the, when is people most likely yeah. going to try marijuana? Mm-hmm. 15 yep. to 25. What's most likely going to try regularly some marijuana? 15 to 25, it's highly linked to um, psychosis yep. as well, um, particularly when the brain is underdeveloped. The brain doesn't fully develop till 25. Yeah. So it's a, it's a plethora of bad news, unfortunately. Yeah. I can't give you any positives. So why do people, why do you think parents are turning to it then? Why do you think parents are turning yeah. to it? Cope with the kids. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, I wouldn't know. Yeah. I, have a, I, have a, I have a question uh, that's directly... I assume it's accessibility. I, I don't know what area this article... You got this from? Oh, this was... BuzzFeed. Um, yeah. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> I imagine there'd be a hotspot. I don't know if this would be the general population. Yeah, that's true. That's IFL true. bro science. No, but um, <laughs> I have a, um, a genuine question on that on that topic. We have an interview lined up in two weeks with a woman named Jessica Nielsen from MAPS. Do you know MAPS? Uh, uh, it's M something A something um, psych society no no um, psychosis no no psych um, psychedelic studies yeah she's oh, psychedelic yeah. studies yeah. do you know Tim Ferriss are you aware of Tim Ferriss yeah yeah so Tim Ferriss is self funding uh, helping fund and self funding a big portion of um, studies through I don't know it's Princeton or one of the universities for um, for studies to um, use psilocybin mushrooms to as the treatment of uh, anxiety, depression, and PTSD. Right. And MAPS have done lots of studies for um, psilocybin, ayahuasca, um, ayahuasca, and there's maybe another one. Um, 
Do you know anything about this? Because this is... That is oh. different to marijuana, though. Yeah, yeah. so the difference is different oh, drug. Right but right. I'm just, yeah. I'm, what I'm saying is, don't worry about marijuana. Oh, I'm right. just saying... Some of these illicit substances can actually be, can they be used as a helpful form of treatment. Yeah, well, in that... So, ayahuasca, for example, um, ayahuasca is a class one drug in the United States. So, like, same as heroin. And it's uh, medicine in yeah. South America. So, yeah. Brazil, yeah. Brazil tried to ban... Ayahuasca, a lot of lot of um, the rest of South America, I believe ayahuasca is banned mm-hmm. or yeah. illegal. Sorry, um, but ayahuasca, the um, the shaman and all the indigenous in Brazil and Peru and in the Amazon, well, like you can't take this away. This is one of our most important mm. medicines. What mm. you can do whatever you want, you can ban it wherever. But this is uh, this is ours. We created yeah. this. This helps our society. Um, so we're going to talk to this lady from Maps to because I don't really know all that much about it. But have yep. you heard about these studies or anything like that? No, no, I haven't. No, I, the first thing I'd ask is you know I don't want to rain on uh, Jessica's parade in a couple mm-hmm. of weeks, but yeah, I don't know how how longitudinal they are as well. Yeah. So that's probably the the biggest thing you'd probably want to check out first. So there can be with some of these trials, there can be some short term evidence, but not long term, mm-hmm. and understand it. So yeah, uh, no, not that I'm aware of. So what are the issues with like uh, with psychedelic drugs mushrooms for example like what and then marijuana or, or maybe mushrooms more, more so why do people claim that it sends them crazy is that a, is that a fallacy or is that is that is like people you know how people go on a trip and don't come back yeah they say, people say that i always wondered whether that was my friend my friend um one of my friends mikey went to a, um uh he went to a psych, psych oh. ward or whatever okay. yep. um, when he was 18 because he had a mushroom and yeah. went crazy, whatever. But yeah. he'd been taking lots of ecstasy, yeah. smoking weed since he was 12 years old. You know, it was a straw that broke yeah. the camel's back. So I always yeah. wondered whether it was a old wives' tale or whether there yeah. was something behind it. I've actually, I mean, I've had clients when I, I mean, I, and I've used in the, as I, through my training, in the, the substance use um, mm. environment. And yeah, I, I remember quite specifically when people are going, feel like they, yeah, really lost their, lost their minds after hallucinogens. So that's mm-hmm. the, the category you're talking about is a hallucinogens, which yeah. are different to um, different drugs like, you know, pharmaceutically so made. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, hallucinogens oh. are a different category of drug. Yes. They're in their gotcha. own category where I think you're talking about when you're talking about mushrooms and trips and so on. Yes. Um, where people feel like they've lost their mind, they've been hospitalized mm-hmm. and so on and so forth. Because I, I, I can think of other uh, clients I've had as well. Yeah, they've, they've dabbled here and there, it's like an ecstasy and so on. and um, but it was the it was the trip that took them over the edge and hmm. hospitalised for three to four months and yeah etc really? et yeah. Do you know another funny thing? Um, I read an article the other day about um, uh, about um, Silicon Valley young um, Silicon Valley entrepreneurs. The new um, craze is microdosing with LSD. Mm, really? <laughs> yeah, because apparently there's an amount of LSD that you can obviously um, take in that it's nowhere near hallucinogenic states doesn't actually affect you at all but it opens up like levels yeah. of creativity ah. apparently apparently these a lot of Silicon Valley it's the trend it was yeah. like a New York Times article mm. I read um, and it was about um, yeah so people got to get to a point where they need some creative inspiration on some project they're working yeah. on and only use it once every month or whatever yeah it's like amphetamine and wanting to do uh, long periods of concentration yeah. on like a lot of uni students do that really like amphetamines tons and, of yeah. uni students do it yeah. I've just, mates to do it yeah. speed literally yep. just snorting speed, speed. and just yep. smashing out assignments yep. really all nighters yep huh. oh, well that makes sense and, and, and probably in the employment industry as well yeah yep. for sure mm. interesting um, so yeah I mean, you know 
and they and they all talk about how really just narrow their focus gets. They just yeah. they just nail it. Mm. Yeah, how? the issue is though whenever you use something like that, when you don't have it, oh. your concentration's worse, and mm. you know, so it's hard to go back, isn't it? That's, you'll yeah. that's begin to rely on it. What's that? You'll begin to rely on yeah, it. Yeah, that's right. You'll see. I mean, like you know, I just don't understand how taking a lot of speed, you know, is anything worse than taking a lot of Red Bull. Uh, like I, I don't know. That's more of a social norm thing. But anyway, uh, we'll move on. Tommy Herbert, Tommy Herbert, president. <laughs> Alrighty. Now the the new iPhone Seven was released yesterday, I believe. Um, some of the stuff that it's now water resistant. Uh, it's got AirPods, so there's no earphone jack. Mm. Um, some other stuff. I think the resolution on the camera is just enhanced. Has it got an unsmashable more. screen? That'd be nice. <laughs> Yeah. Once. Well, I think it does. Yeah. No, but I was just wondering, what would you guys like to see in ten years' time? Some mm. of the technology progress with the iPhone 15, for example. And there's always concept videos on YouTube, and they always think that you know we'll have holographic imaging for the iPhone 4 or the iPhone 5. You know, it's the iPhone 7. They haven't had that now. There's there's two questions to this. So, what do you think will happen in ten years? And do you think they have the technology now, but they're just holding it for revenue purposes? <laughs> I always think about that second question. I'm always not sure whether they're, you know, they're just strategically small yeah. jumps up in. Oh, yeah. Always they might, well, it's almost a monopolized market. They but can do what they want. Yeah. Also, isn't that uh, Moore's law of, is it Moore's law, whatever it is, that where technology will advance, will, will um, double every 18 months? Oh, the exponential the, increase? The speed of the, of the, of computing power yeah. there's an actual law called more I think it's Moore's law it might be something else law yep so maybe it has something to do with that I don't know what would you want what would you want oh we'll let, we'll let Michael go yeah sorry Mike okay I'll make a prediction okay that in 10 years time we'll become so desocialized from <laughs> smartphones that everyone will be going back to dumb phones again really everyone will be happy with their Nokia I am kind of with you on that <laughs> I think there's a, a huge market for a phone that has email and not much else. No, no, phone. Phone call. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, but Justice. I mean phone. But I, what I mean is, yeah, I, reckon, I, I think that's, that's, um, that could be a goer because I get frustrated by it. So wait, you said phone port. No, no, like just a, just, that it just has a, it's going to be just only used as a phone. Yeah, yeah. just phone. It just has in, a number, mm. you can ring and that's yep. it. Not even text message. Yeah. yeah. Oh, really? Wow, okay. Have we ever had that before? We have. We <laughs> have. <laughs> 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 you are a fucking. Oh, God. You are Generation that Y. Could that's be, the core. That could be the dumbest thing I've ever seen in my whole life. Alexander Graham Bell. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Alexander Graham Bell invented, um, he invented text messaging yeah. and he invented the phone. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's great. Oh, so God. Yeah, well, we, the, the dumb phones will be in. Yeah. So don't roll a flip. Well, I'll be amazed. I'll be using that one. I'll be using that. Yeah, you're already using the dumb brain. Yeah. Um, oh, that's God. good. That's good. Hey, what do I, what do I, I think in 10 years' time, though? I think I'm with Michael. I reckon there'll be an option for um, something where you can get taken away from all these apps. Yeah. But the other thing that I think in 10 years, for people that want the apps or want a phone like this, is I think I get really frustrated when I go, I go like this. Hey Siri, can you um, Google the best slice of pizza on uh, the southern part of the Mornington Peninsula? Maybe Rye at the back of Rye, or maybe. And then also, can you order me uh, a DVD to my doorstep? I think I feel like watching Flight of the Concords tonight. Thanks, Siri. <laughs> what? Well, she didn't say anything. Me? Pardon? <laughs> 
she said, she said, who, me? Yes, you, Siri. No, but in all seriousness, Siri, I think Siri will be a lot more advanced. Where you know how you have to. It's amazing how you can just Google. Shut up, Siri. Now you're off. Your time's your time's done. We've got you on next week. Yeah. You know how um now you can just Google stuff at the drop of a hat. It's awesome. But I 100% believe that you'll just be able to talk to Siri. Siri will be. Ten times smarter. Siri would be like talking to a proper person. Hey Siri, can you hook us up the number for uh, blah 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 blah? Give it a call. Like, yeah, that's I'd be actually someone taking the actual. Right. You guys have seen person. the movie not Her, a, have you? Not you a seen person. the movie Her? No. It's based on that. Oh yes, absolute I have. Yeah, premise. I haven't seen it, but I've heard about it. Where the where the, the, yeah, yeah. the Siri becomes Meets. so smart, it has its own conscious in the end, and that actually leaves the software. So yeah. the dude falls in love with Wacom Phoenix falls in love yeah. with Scarlett Johansson uh, of course you would I'm yeah. in love with it was a surprise yeah, yeah. and um, God a serious Siri you were told us Scarlett Johansson yeah. <laughs> you dating anyone at the moment who me <laughs> That opinion. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. All right, so uh, that was a good, good to end science, by the yeah, way. That was all right. That was good solid. Yeah. So, um, all right, well, excellent, Michael. You probably uh, got to get out of here shortly, anyway. So we've already um, done. We've already done three from three. Three from three. Let's go. Six, let's six go. Six. Your new one. Yeah, I'll, and I'll do one new one as well. Yeah, cool. So. Um, we normally, obviously, nine from nine, but you've already done that before. Well, uh, I've got a new question that I that I like to ask, which is, um, do you have any books that you often recommend to people? Hmm. I like to want to say I like to what I'm reading now, or um, oh yeah, or if you're reading a good book now. Actually, because you guys are into journaling, have you heard of the Artist Way? Oh, no. oh. Probably my oldest friend. Yeah. It changes life. The yep. artist way. Yeah. It changed his life. Yep. I've I've got to read the artist way. Yeah. But yeah, that's how he got through all of his mental health issues. Okay. Really? So yep. It talks about how to journal and it makes you journal like fifteen minutes a day. Yeah, I think it's it like is. A, and it's a lot big commitment. Like yeah. yeah. He got me yeah. into journaling. That's who got me into journaling. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. Really. Yeah, but very effective. Mm. Really effective. I had a lot of um, a lot of clients have, have had success with that. Mm. So what's the difference between journaling and gratitude? Obviously, journaling is a lot more in-depth, but what more. are the benefits-wise if compared to journaling and just gratitude? Honestly, journal? I think self-awareness and self-reflection. You know, So I think we go through so much of our life in an unmindful way where we're just kind of reacting to things and so on. Yep. The journaling and so on allows us to stop and take stock of what's our experience been like? What do we, how do we actually emotionally respond to that? Mm-hmm. How do we feel about that and how do we like to change or adjust that? Mm. Um, and actually, yes, when you write it out, because it slows everything down and you put it outside of your head onto something, yep. it makes it a bit more real and meaningful. Mm. And so then it adjusts your approach with whatever that situation is next time. Mm. Mm. Cool. Absolutely. Yep. And uh, my question was, if you had, this is a very cliche question, but I don't, I would like to know your answer to this. Um, if you had one more day and you can't say spend it with your family, one more day to live, what would you do? Um, and you, you just had, for some reason, you had a million dollars, you could go anywhere. <laughs> Um, just one thing that you maybe something you want to cross off your bucket list and you, you have one day if you just have one day um, I'd know, like to mountain bike across the Costa Rican rainforest Ooh, Ooh, that's a really that's good a nice point one. A to point yeah. B that's a nice one. Good answer. Good answer. And then Good you die. That's it. Before between A and B. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> On the way. <laughs> it's a hell of a jungle, right? Yeah. All right, cool. Excellent. So, um, do you want to uh, plug anything going on at the mine room at the moment? We talked about it earlier, but where can people find you and yeah, websites? Yeah, so we just, uh, we're just based in Collingwood in Melbourne. Um, we've got ongoing... We actually have ongoing drop-in mindfulness. So if you guys are around on a Wednesday, 1 o'clock, mm-hmm. um, people can drop in um, anytime. Oh, that's cool. We have ongoing kind of six-week, three-week uh, mindfulness programs on weekends or in the evenings we run. So people... It's really intro-level uh, mindfulness. So people... Mm-hmm who haven't done much or none at all, it's a really good class to do. 
Um, what does a drop in mindfulness look like? What's that, sorry? What does a drop in mindfulness class look like? Exactly how it sounds. You literally drop in and uh, typically Joe, my business partner, one of our psychs, she'll, um, she'll run you through uh, an exercise, there'll be some discussion and it's a bit playful. You know, they'll use balloons or balls or, you know, something or other to make it a bit more interesting, mm-hmm. I guess, um, as opposed to sitting still. So we're, we're into more the creative elements of making not just a formal practice, but how to make it a bit more interesting and informal, but yep. still create its everyday life, if that cool. makes sense. Excellent. Um, but yeah, for all the sports performers out there, I'm doing that come and try day in October and the Mindful Athlete in November. Uh, mindroom.com.au if you want to check them out. Beautiful. Beautiful. Well, Mikey, it's always a pleasure to have you on the show, mate. You're a true friend of uh, Adventure Radio. <laughs> and uh, it was another good one. Thank you. <laughs> Excellent. Thanks for coming, brother. Tough. That's a wrap. Alrighty, guys. We really hope you enjoyed the show. We'll probably get Mickey back on the show. Um, once every uh, six, six to eight months or so, just check in with him. He's um, he's an absolute champion. Um, also, too, guys, we always chuck in everything in the show notes, which I was going to mention anyway. But if you if you um, want to know some more information about some of the stuff we speak about there, um, the mind room, the place he works, some of the mindfulness uh, things that he does, um, just head to uh, head to the website www.adventurefittravel.com forward slash podcast. And you'll be able to click on the show and then be able to check into the show notes. Guys, while you are there, please jump on our mailing list as well. You can keep up to date with uh, anything AdventureFit Travel, anything AdventureFit Radio. And let's today see if you can click that subscribe button onto <laughs> iTunes. We really want it, guys. We want those subscriptions. Bill, how much do we want those subscriptions? Uh, we want them a lot. I want them so much that if you subscribe today, this is a one-day-only offer, and you come around to my house, yep. I will... Give you a wristy if you're a man, or I will kiss you on the neck on the neck if you're a lady. What? What? And a wristy if you are a woman. Um, anyway, anyway, so we're also brought to you by True Pride today, guys. Um, www.truepride.com.au forward slash advf to get your free, uh, to get your joining fee of $297 waived, get your budget sorted, save yourself $600 a month for the cost of $97 a month. And carve, www.carve.ph forward slash ADVF radio. Again, upscale your business, get yourself a VA or just try and get time back in your life. Excellent. That is a wrap, guys. Speak to you next week. Bye.